The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now on that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they argued him strongly, say, they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we were talking, while he was talking to us on the road? While he was opening the scriptures to us, that same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Although we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every Sunday, no matter what the season of the church year, it's especially appropriate to be thinking on and musing about and pondering and praying about the resurrection during these 50 days of Easter. In my own spiritual journey, the centrality 
of the resurrection has kind of ebbed and flowed. But early on in my Christian life, it was a doctrine, uh, an event that particularly troubled and perplexed me, I guess is the way to put it. I didn't know quite what to do with it. It kind of buzzed below the surface of my consciousness, kind of gnawing away there, wondering, what is, what is that? What is that about? What does it mean? What happened? And then one morning, in the shower of all places, as I was thinking about the resurrection, in an unexpected... Sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? I guess I was going to become a priest, wasn't I? Anyway, in the shower that morning... In an unexpected moment, a feeling of deep uh, peace and acceptance came over me. I just accepted it. I don't know why. I just did. And for me, that meant accepting the resurrection as a bodily event in the new life, in the afterlife of Jesus. Not solely uh, a metaphor for the rebirth of the faith of dispirited disciples. Though surely the resurrection was that as well. That moment in the shower was certainly a gift. But the shower sort of stands for all the ordinary places that we have the chance to meet God. In the gospel passage this morning, we have another one of the appearances of the resurrected Jesus in ordinary guise. We had one on Easter Day, you remember, from the Gospel of John, where Mary initially mistakes Jesus for a gardener after she's gone to Jesus' tomb and found it empty. In another account, also from the Gospel of John, Jesus is with the disciples on the beach as they come into shore after an unsuccessful night of fishing. Initially, they don't recognize Jesus there either. He's just a guy on the beach. And today, we have Jesus as a stranger, traveling unrecognized with two disciples as they walk together toward the neighboring village of Emmaus. Well, when in these accounts do they finally recognize Jesus for who he is? Well, in the John account that we heard on Easter morning, it's when Jesus says Mary's name. Mary. And she gets it. She sees him. In the other account from John that I mentioned, uh, the beach guy, the beach walker, tells them to cast their nets in a different way. Maybe you'll have more success catching some fish. And then he invites them to breakfast. And then they get it. They see him at breakfast. And in our passage from Luke this morning, The stranger breaks bread with them at dinner, and they see. They see him for who he is. But there's more at work here, I think, than just that. Of course, it it depends totally, in one sense, on Jesus speaking to us and making the first move or the decisive move. But as I see it, that's, that's not enough. How were they prepared to see him? How can we be prepared? How can we prepare ourselves to see him? 
I like the term practicing resurrection. As some of you know, that's the name of a book by Nora Gallagher. I've only read bits and pieces of it, but enough to know that it's an amazing book and I recommend it to you. In any case, practicing resurrection seems to me an act, an appropriate phrase for describing what Christians need to do in order to see Jesus alive, to see him alive in whatever form he may choose to reveal himself to us. Let me say also, however, that while we can practice and while there's much that we can do, there was no manipulating God, no set of set practices and formulas that can produce a religious experience or uh, make Jesus come like this at our beck and call. He's not the cosmic bellhop. God is in charge here. But, having said that, just as we're more likely to see the sun if we get out of bed in the morning and draw the curtains, so are we more likely to see Christ if we prepare ourselves to see him. And by practicing resurrection, I mean preparing ourselves to see, to train our eyes and hearts, especially our hearts, to see and look for Jesus. Now, what might that look like? Well, if we look at Luke, I think he suggests three things. The first one is that those who would see Jesus need to know and understand the story. Capital S, the story. And by the story, I mean... The salvation story as recorded in the Hebrew scriptures and in the Christian scriptures. The stranger, you recall, the stranger recites to these guys as they're walking along the story of the Jewish people in scripture, starting with Moses and going up through the prophets. They know the stories. It's part of their fabric of being. And that's important to Luke. I should mention also that... um, Luke, the writer of Luke, also wrote the Acts of the Apostles, which Jim read this morning. And the, you'll see, may, maybe remember also, or see in front of you, there's a, 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 an ellipsis, there are three or four dots, where a big chunk has been cut out. The lectionary editors do that sometimes. <laughs> that whole section that was cut out was Peter's recitation of mighty stories from the Hebrew Bible. That if you understood them properly, of course you would know that Jesus is the one that we've been waiting for. So for Luke, knowing the stories of Scripture was necessary preparation for recognizing Jesus in their midst. And for us as well, I think, we increase our chances, we increase the likelihood of seeing Jesus in our midst if we grow familiar with the stories of Scripture. Not just as we hear them read to us or maybe uh, as we read them to ourselves in our private devotions, but really as they're lived and studied and discussed discussed with other people, seeing where our stories, our life stories intersect with the stories of Scripture, or maybe where they don't intersect, how those stories shape our stories, and maybe how our stories shape the stories that we read about and hear about in Scripture. So knowing the Scripture, knowing the stories, and related to that, community is another one of Luke's uh, precursors, I think, or um, preconditions for being able to practice resurrection. Community. The two men in our story this morning 
It's very explicit. The text says they are talking and discussing what had gone on. We know they come from a community in shock and disbelief, one that is trying to make sense of the yet as uh, as yet unfinished story of their death, of the death of their teacher. These disciples have been part of a community that's been together probably for a while. We know Jesus had a public ministry anyway of three years or so, so perhaps they've known each other for three years. Perhaps some of them knew Jesus for a lot longer and each other a lot longer than that. Certainly in the, in the three years of his public ministry, they've had a pretty intense time. Times of great risk and excitement and danger, as well as of joy and comfort in all the bumps and bruises and scrapings that you get when you're living with people in community. Those who would see Christ, I think, are prepared for it by living in community and bumping up against and rubbing up against other folks who are also looking for the same Lord. Another way to to think of it is, if you recall our baptismal covenant, which we say when we are joining together with families who are having uh, people baptized, we make five promises. And the first promise we make, I think, speaks to this. The first promise is, will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? kind of lumps together all those things that disciples need to do together in order to increase their chances of seeing the risen Christ in their midst. We also say in the creeds, the last, next to last line, the last line of the creed, the Nicene Creed, we look for the resurrection of the dead and we do it together. We look for the risen Christ together. So the stories of scripture, communal life, And food. Gotta have food. Food is clearly an important ingredient in preparing to see Jesus. In the beach account that we have in John, Jesus is recognized in the context of breakfast. In the story from Luke this morning, Jesus is recognized in the context of dinner. Literally, in the breaking of bread. It's unmistakable. It's unmistakable, the Eucharistic language. The text says, Jesus took, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to his friends. In a few moments, Tony will say exactly those words in the Eucharistic prayer. And I imagine that people in Luke's church were doing the same thing that we'll be doing in just a few minutes. In that moment, in the gospel story, Luke says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And I think, I think it's significant that they were breaking bread with a stranger. The text is clear about that, too. It says it a couple of times. He's a stranger. Not someone they already knew. Never mind that they didn't know it was Jesus. It was not somebody they even knew. And I don't think that we can simply chalk this up to Middle Eastern hospitality, although surely that's part of it. People invited strangers in after long days of travel to feed one another. They depended on the kindness of strangers in that place. But it's more than that. I think it's a theological truth. As Christians, I believe we're called to seek out the stranger. We will meet Christ in places and in people we're not expecting if we're prepared. We may not have the kind of resurrection experience of Jesus that is recounted in the Bible, 
but in the regular prayerful reception of the Eucharist and in the kind of table fellowship among strangers who are in the process of becoming brothers and sisters, we will be much more likely to see the Christ in the face of our fellow humans and in the world around us. So I suggest that knowing the story, knowing the stories, and living in fellowship, and breaking bread, especially with strangers, these seem to me to be some of the ways that we can practice resurrection and prepare to see Jesus in the ordinary places of our lives. Amen.